to Gunfighter Cast. I am still here with Eric Stanbro and Joe Wire, and we're hanging out at Alliance Police Training Facility right now. And we're going to continue our discussion about dogs. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. I got a few more questions to, to go with in this one that's uh, a little bit shifting gears from the last one. We're going to talk a bit more about uh, police dogs and working dogs and your own individual dogs and training those dogs. And, uh, Eric, what's the most common breed for LE? Why don't we see the, the, the usual breeds all the time for LE working dogs? Well, you know, forever in, in this country, forever it was German Shepherds. Everybody, all they use is German Shepherds. And then Belgian Malinois started coming in uh, in this state in Ohio. We can trace back the the introduction of Belgian Malinois to this state to one guy, a guy who's only about 20 minutes from where we're at right now. And and then Dutch Shepherds have, have made their way in. And now I got to tell you, I think it's probably 50-50 between the Dutch breeds and the German Shepherd breed in in the United States in, in uh, law enforcement to be used. And in the uh, military, especially special ops, it's almost all Malinois or Dutch Shepherds. There's hardly any German Shepherds used Why at all. Why is that? Um, durability. In this country, we have destroyed the German Shepherd breed. Destroyed it. Bred in cancer, uh, spinal problems. We bred, and uh, they see it even makes its way back to Europe, uh, an extra vertebrae in the spine that causes all kinds of problems. Tons of bone problems and disease and and it's just from crappy breeding. And uh, the Malinois, um, we'll, we'll screw that up at some point too. But so far, you know, it hasn't been that way. We seem to be getting more durability out of the Malinois and the Dutch Shepherds. Um, they handle the, seem to handle the heat better is kind of why the, the uh, special ops teams are using them. Uh, when I was training dogs for the Navy SEALs, we had no German Shepherds. It was all Malinois or Dutch Shepherds. Um, they did seem to handle it a little bit better. The only thing about those breeds is the bad ones are really bad, like uh, really super skittish or like fear biting and, and goofy things like that. But the good ones are are amazing. It's funny, you know, look at some of the, the Malinois and compared to the size of most a lot of German Shepherds that I see. A lot of times they're, they're a lot smaller, you know, at least from what I see. And I, I'm not familiar with the Dutch Shepherds. So how do they compare? Um, yeah, the Malinois tend to be a little bit leaner. Uh, a little bit smaller, not always. There, I've seen some massive Malinois. We have we have a couple of them in my training group that are pretty good size. Dutch Shepherds are basically Malinois with a brindle coat. Uh, there, there's a little bit, you know, some little personality differences, but you can follow back a Dutch Shepherd's lineage if you can look at their their bloodline, and you'll see Malinois mixed in their bloodline. Um, basically, that's that's what the difference is for the most part. Um, they are usually a little bit smaller, a little bit faster. Uh, we had one, we did a big, huge scientific study at my canine field and we had one of my dogs from zero feet from dead stop to 30 feet was at 36 miles an hour, which is crazy fast. So we know now if you want to get the most bang for your buck on a pursuit or chase, if you can get them within that 30 feet, it's devastating for the dogs. Um, again, yeah, you're not out running 36 miles an hour. No, no. (laughs) And we just get seem to get more more work out of them. I've seen some small Malinois where you get them out of your car. People, it's a mistake that they underestimate the dog. They're like, what are you going to do with that little dog until he's pulling their bicep muscle out of a hole in their arm? Well, they call them alligators for a reason, right? Correct. Yeah. Cool. So those are, uh, that was kind of, so you, you brought, you, you keyed on a little point there when we were going to talk about uh, how we destroyed the breeding here in, in the U.S. Um, why are, 
most of these dogs imported these days. Yeah, we we are just you know over in Europe, dogs are a big business. Not that they're not here, but over in Europe, they're a big business. And there's a reason why every kennel that is supplying dogs to the military and larger police departments and things are going to Europe. The dogs are bred from working lines strictly to work. No show lines at all. And the German Shepherd, because they're so big in AKC shows and things like that, they they breed these show lines. And a lot of them, man, if you look at these Shepherds, show Shepherds, their, their back ends are all messed up and their back legs are tiny and and they may look good for that show, but you can tell they're not going to live till they're like four or five years old. And that's what we're doing. Now, the problem is they're bringing the Belgian Malinois starting to gain more popularity in the show ring. And I, I don't know. I'm hoping that we don't screw that up. Yeah. But um, as long as we're getting dogs out of Europe, they, you know, they claim they don't have heartworm over there, heartworm problems. And um, you still, you still can get some hip dysplasia. You, you got to do your due diligence. If you're getting dogs from Europe, they got to come with x-rays. The good vendors all know that oh, what guys like me are looking for certain things I want to see in videos. And then I want to see the x-rays and microchips so I can follow the dog and things like that. Used to be a long time ago. There was some shysters that would send you a dog that wasn't the dog that you had been looking at because they don't think you're going to pay to send the dog back. Mm. So, but Europe, Europe, it's, it's big business primary weapon systems or pws is a state-of-the-art machine shop in boise idaho pws makes almost all their rifle components in-house and the parts they don't make they acquire from the highest quality manufacturers in the united states the mod 2 series rifles from pws are some of the most feature-rich ars on the market one of those features is the mod 2 enhanced buffer tube which has a ratchet lock design that eliminates the need for staking while providing a solid lockup with the ability to remove it easily in the future. Go take a look at primaryweapons.com. Primary Weapon Systems. Because it's time. All right, if I'm thinking about a family dog that also may be somewhat of a multi-role, maybe it, it's, um, I want it to have a good bark, you know, I want it to be... Uh, defend my family if I'm not around or defend my family when I am around. You know, what what do I need to look for in a dog? You know, let's go breeds first. Um, the breed that I always think is the best for that, especially with the bark, is going to be a German Shepherd. Uh, females, males, their barks are usually uh, pretty hefty, especially if there's somebody sneaking around your house and the dog starts barking. They don't even have to see the dog. They, uh, they can hear it and it sounds serious, even if the dog isn't serious. Um, they, those are the ones that seem to be the most protective, the females, especially their, their thing is protecting their home, protecting their property and their people, protecting their human beings. Um, but what you want to look for, here's the thing. A lot of people go and get puppies. I, and a lot of vendors, we don't deal in puppies because the puppy you get, who's so awesome at the vendor at 10 weeks old is not going to be the same dog at four months and is not going to be the same dog at a year. And definitely not at two years when they're fully matured. So it's a risk. Uh, if you get a puppy, you just have to live with however that dog turns out. Now, you can help shape a little bit of it, but they have to have certain qualities. So I always tell people, try to try to find a dog that's maybe a little bit older, six months or more. You get a little bit more of a, of a, of a view of what they want. But what you want is a stable dog, mentally stable. Not the dog, again, that's eating the kennel to try to get at you or – if you go over to the guy's house and their dog is banging into the door like crazy, that's not the dog for you. You might think, oh, wow, this is great. This dog's going to keep people out. 
There are so many problems that are going to come with that dog. So my dog that comes out of the house and comes into this room that we're in, and his butt is wagging so much, and his tail's wagging so much, he knocks everything off the tables constantly. Is he stable? He, he's probably, well, that dog was made in a beaker, so that's a little bit different. But uh, the, he's mentally stable. He's just, he's going to be a fun pet. He's not going to be, you know, that dog. Again, I like to get the dogs that seem to be a little bit more confident. You know, they don't, not the ones that, that see you and are slunk low to the ground and get their hair up and they're kind of fear. Rusty's made in a beaker. That's funny. You know, I always say that with guys with doodle, any doodle dog. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, hey, I live in an RV. I, I can't have a dog that sheds. Man. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. The hair is great. Yeah. Um, but the the dog, you can see it. Everybody can see the dog that comes into the room and just is afraid mm-hmm. and nervous and spooked out. Uh, that's not the one. You want a dog that's confident in environments, steps. And even if they haven't seen it, if you can teach them the steps or, or lure them up and down. It's the dogs that are frozen with fear. You definitely don't want. Oh, he's just a puppy. No, that's that. They're gonna bite. They're that, they're still gonna bite. do it, right? And then you're gonna have trouble if it, even if it's you're not trying to have a protection dog, but you want a good companion. He's not gonna jump in the back of your of your SUV and go hang out with you because he's afraid. He uh, it takes those dogs a, a really long time to get over, and some never do. And then there's anxiety problems with some of those. So you want the dog that's just kind of got a clear head. Uh, not afraid to go in, under stuff, under tables, and and jump on things, and and be you know confident. Even if there's a puppy, um, you 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 got to look for that stuff. But definitely, you don't want that dog that's insane, like just snarling and barking. And unless you, I guess, own a used car lot, and you're going to leave that dog run loose at night, which is a thing, uh, maybe that helps. But uh, it doesn't help you. It's not going to help you in the long run. The dog is for sure going to bite you or your family. God forbid you get your kid bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're in another room and you think they're fine just playing with the dog. The next thing you know, there's a, uh, a paw in the kid's eye and they're biting them. Like it's, just, it's a nightmare. I mean, I, I thought about it. It's scary. This is, a, this is an example that I use. And I think I was telling Joe about this off the air. We in law enforcement, the big thing now is... So I'm a, a vendor. I sell dogs. I I will buy a dog for for our agency that's not social because it doesn't. I don't care. Uh, the dog only has to like one person, the handler. But you, I cannot sell. And other vendors say they cannot sell unsocial dogs. Everybody wants the dog that's not berserko, just going crazy all the time. If if we need that for police work, a dog who's probably going to get a bite, you know, potentially every month, say. Uh, or every couple months is going to get a bite. And if we need the dog to be socially and mentally stable, what do you think you need for your house? You know, you, it's even worse. I mean, you definitely need the dog. He doesn't need to lick everybody's face, but he doesn't need to bite every single person he sees or try to bite every single person he sees. Yeah. I think I said this too, though. You know, one of the main things is, is uh, you know, like you pointed out, the dog's barking, you know, it makes the person outside think twice about coming in, you know, and from my perspective, if the person hears the dog barking, like you say, a German shepherd bark, and they still come in my house, they're not coming in for my TV. Correct. You know what I mean? So that, that tells me, uh, from the very beginning, what I'm dealing with, you know, trying to come in my house, you know, get, you know, lets me know what's up, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, 
if the dog gives you that extra little bit of time that you need, you know, that distraction uh, to prepare yourself or to do what you need to do, then that's a win too, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily you spent, you know, $25,000 getting your dog trained to be in a, a, you know, a guard, you know, a protection dog or something. You know, if the dog's just buying me the time I need or making sure that I wake up to what's going on outside, that to me, that's a win. You know. Correct. Uh, and listen, if your dog is in there barking and the guy still comes in your house, he's got to have a gun. I mean, he's confident enough that he knows he can take care of your dog when he comes in yeah. there. That's bad news. He was going to come in your house regardless. I have a friend of mine who's real big in the in the in the canine or business. If it's sentinel, he'll have steak with him. Right. Correct. Well, yeah. <laughs> who, who wouldn't? If you, uh, I have a friend of mine that's in this business that's real big in it, real well respected, and he sells police dogs and he sells the the big home protection dogs. And he buys all of his dogs in Europe as police quality. Every dog is police quality. They're all the same. And then the dogs that seem to have even the best temperaments are the ones that he sells to the home. And so a lot of people think it would be the opposite, that you would need the dog that's going to, you know, kill somebody in the house. But he's looking for the dog started out, could be a police dog. But they're so even-tempered and so... uh socially either neutral or really friendly enough that that's the one he wants to put in your house. I mean, you think about this, that dog is going to be a family dog a heck of a lot more often than it's going to be a protection dog, right? That's going to be its main job. Protection is just that kind of that other thing that it does, but it's going to be wrestled with kids. You know, it's going to be playing with all the time. So uh, it's kind of like people on weapons handling. Most people don't go through life carrying a gun and shoot people. Most people often carry a gun and they have to unload it and load it around the people they, they live with, their loved ones and all those things. They have to clean the gun, do all those different things. And somebody with poor weapons handling, um, they could be a danger to the people they got that gun to protect. Uh, kind of the same thing for a dog. Yeah, the biggest problem with personal protection dogs is the owners. That hands down is the biggest problem. People, human beings do dumb things with their dogs, just like they do dumb things with their firearms. And uh, they want to show off or they got sloppy and oh i thought he i thought the door was shut i put him in the room and i thought and that's that's when things happen you really got to have somebody you know if i was i if i was in the business of selling personal protection dogs i would be so picky as to the clientele it would have nothing to do with with actually just pumping out dogs um you know a lot of people see celebrities and things like that that get personal protection dogs and they're like oh i want to go i want to get one of those uh you know lebron james has one lebron james isn't working with that dog he didn't train that dog he doesn't go to the training with that dog he has other people that do that mm-hmm. so don't look into it like that don't don't jump and try to get in the and get yourself a personal protection dog especially if you're a foolish person you gotta you gotta have a you gotta look at yourself am i accident prone do i do do my friends t- laugh and say you you do dumb things. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't bother. Right. You're, or you're, you don't have any time. You're, you're, you're got, your gun doesn't make any choices. Correct. Your dog does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, and it can be a poor one. Right. So if, I, if I'm thinking about a dog, a family dog, you know, maybe a defense dog, a protection dog, um, how, how would I select a breeder? Or uh, let's say I just want to go to the dog store and get one. Would that be a good thing to do? Um. Not to get it like trained, you could probably start out. Um, you, what you need to do is 
it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing now, this personal protection dog. And there's a lot of people because of Facebook, a lot of people in business with these personal protection dogs. And again, there are a lot of them are selling the crazy dogs that are, that are trying to chew their way through a, a fence to get at everybody and chew out their own crate. And then those dogs end up eating their own feet and weird stuff like that. Um, but you basically, you got to do a lot of research and find and start looking around and see if you find somebody in your area that has a trained personal protection dog, try to see if you can't meet the guy and meet his dog and see where he got it and see how the dog is when you go over there. And uh, the dog should have an on-off switch. There are, it's just like backyard breeders. There are a ton of guys in this business that um, I, I don't know how they're in business, how these guys don't get in trouble and the crap that they're putting out there. If you and listen, if a guy if a guy sells you a personal protection dog for three thousand dollars, don't you you need to spend money. You need to spend some more money, and go to the right place. And it's hard to say. I, I don't really endorse too many people for it. Um, nobody around here, nobody around this part of Ohio for sure. Um, there's some folks out west that I that I think are pretty good. There's a guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma that's real good. Um, those guys, but they get it. They understand what they're doing. Some of them compete. There's a protection sports thing that people compete in. These are people that take this stuff seriously. Not, not a guy that's got 50 dogs of this, of Dutch shepherds or whatever. And they're, they're just showing you these nasty dogs and how they just, that's what you want. You want this dog. Cause look at him and look at all that teeth and all the crap he's yeah, doing. No, I want to see how he is with my seven year old. Yeah. The dog obedience is a big deal for personal protection dogs. They got to be snap obedient. And so you have to go to a person that really focuses on that stuff that because that you need to have a fail safe when things go wrong with the dog and the dog got loose that if you yell and a command, the dog either comes back to you or lays down on the spot, but you got to train at that. And if you're too busy, you, you can't, you can't do it. You can't have it. That's perfect. We're going to take a little quick break and come back and talk about how to train the dog, how to get that obedience. In the 1911 world, there's Nighthawk Custom, and then there's everyone else. Nighthawk Custom makes the highest in quality 1911, under the motto, One Gun, One Gunsmith. Each 1911 is handmade with each part fitted by one gunsmith from start to finish. Nighthawk Custom is giving away one of their custom 1911s every 90 days this year. All you need to do to register is visit www.nighthawkcustom.com forward slash gunfightercast and sign up. All right, so... I, this is my really selfish part of this episode of Gunfighter Gas because I have a dog that'll sit and lay down and he won't do either one of those for a long period of time. And he is just uh, crazy, wild, loves everybody. But like we talked about earlier, if I go knock on the door or open the door, there's a split second when everybody thinks they're about to get eight when they open our door because the dog sounds like he's coming after you right then. And I love that about him. Uh, but really his tail is wagging like crazy and he's probably going to jump on you and lick you. Who knows what else? He's but, excited he's got company. He's like, I got friends! <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> people to lick and people to beat with my tail. Um, I, if I if I wanted to get him some obedience training and you know, I'm a guy who does a lot of stuff on the internet all the time, so when I want to learn how to do something, I go to YouTube. And I'm sure the, the, the canine world and the dog training world is probably like the gun world. There's tons of not so correct information out there. Do you have any recommendations for something good that's free that's online where people could could learn to go teach their dogs some, some basic obedience stuff? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, plug a buddy of mine. There's a guy that I know that lives in, his name is Jeff. He lives in Providence, Rhode Island. He has got a huge dog training business. Nine employees, like 16,000 square feet. The name of his business is Solid Canine Training. And I met Jeff a couple of years ago. I trained a, a dog for him for uh, bomb detection. And I didn't really know all that much about him. And I do my research and I start looking into the guy. And he's got a huge social media presence. He's really good at it. Well, I get on his YouTube channel, Solid Canine Training. And I'm telling you, on his channel, you can take your dog from puppy to adult and train them, fully train them for free on his thing, as long as you follow his protocol and what he, what he teaches. Uh, Jeff, I send everybody there. People ask me, I, uh, my dog is, my puppy is biting all the time, biting everything. Go to that. I'm telling you, you'll fix it as long as you follow him. Uh, treadmill. You want to get your dog on a treadmill. You'll have your dog on five seconds on a treadmill if you follow his protocol and you can get your, it like opens a world for people. Um, guys like Jeff like that, they, they don't make their money. They give off away tons, yeah. tons of, uh, of, Free information, and he's, I, he I probably exactly has. How that is. He probably has a thousand. <laughs> he probably has a thousand videos on there, and is, and puts new content on there all the time. You know, the, the guys like that, their money is is made from aggressive dog rehab and fixing problem dogs and problem owners. But if you just want to get general training, like the new big thing in dog training in the last couple of years is is the place command, where you have a bed or you have a pillow or something. And you use place and you teach the dog to go lay on that thing and they do not move until you tell them otherwise. When they get up, there's, he's got a whole system on bringing them back and how to get them there. And because the dog, his dog that I had, I let her be crazy and wild. Uh, and when he came to get her, he was here for like two or three weeks living in an RV. And, uh, and I said, uh, well, good luck. You know, I've been letting her just be crazy. And two days later, I saw a video he did on um, a live video on Periscope or something for like 30 minutes and the dog never moved. And I'm telling you, the dog before wouldn't sit there for two minutes. Uh, not that I even tried it. But uh, guys like him, they know their stuff. And there's there's several people like him. You just got to kind of do your research. And you can tell when you get online, you get on YouTube, you can tell who's a hack. You look at the guy and you're like, well, you know, you can't. Right, and and I I can a lot of times. I think Joe probably can, but I see stuff in the firearms world and the martial arts world, mm -hmm. and uh, so I I I don't know if what this guy in the canine world is telling me is accurate or not. You know, I, but I can tell if a guy is usually a hack or not. But maybe what his information, you know, even even you know sometimes there's great information even when spoken from the mouth of fools. That happens every once in a while. But mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why this podcast exists because there's so much horrible information out there in the defense world. That uh, try to bring on people who should be listened to um, in the defense world, no matter if he's talking to animals or firearms or, or whatever else. Because I think a lot of folks, when they don't have intimate knowledge of something, they they have no idea what's right and what's wrong, and they have to learn from kind of trial and error. And if you're dealing with a dog or a family pet, man, you don't want to get it wrong. Right? The big thing, the big fight that's that goes on in the in the dog world is in training is balance training versus pure positive or only positive. And I, my personal opinion is pure positive training doesn't work. Um, at times there needs to be some consequence for a dog, whether it's just a leash correction or whether it's a verbal command or something for not doing things that they know to do. Uh, when I tell a dog to sit, I'm not going to sit there and tell him sit, 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 sit over and over and over again. And, he's getting away with it. Right. Correct. 
So balance training, which is the way I do it, and we, uh, my buddy Jeff and, and a lot of great people do, is what whatever's working, whether it's a just a flat collar with a leash or a prong collar or a, a, a little choke, cho- choke chain that you can give a little pop to or an e-collar, whatever works. Um, I have dogs that, that just using a toy works. People are like, oh, that's pure positive. No, but I've taught them what a leash correction is at the same time. Um, that's the one big thing. So I always tell people, if you listen, if you want to do the pure positive, go for it. But I'm telling you, if you have any dog, any kind of dog that's even a working breed or can be stubborn, it's, it's not going to work. You're going to have problems. Um, you just have to decide whether you're willing to live with them or not. Right. So what's the magic? The magic? The magic of, of training your dog. Consistency? I knew that was what you were going to say. Black and white. Make it black and white for your dog. There's a there's a company out there called Sit Mean Sit. And uh, I don't even know all that much about them, but it's a great name. And yeah. it's true. Sit means sit. Sit doesn't mean sit when you want to. It means when I say sit, you should sit. And especially when you teach the dog the command and he knows it. When the dog knows what lay down means or whatever command you're using to get them to lay down, they should do it. And if they don't, you don't just keep repeating it and repeating it. You have to make it black and white and consistent. Um, in my world, in the working dog world, the dogs, especially the Malinois, can learn. They learn at such a high rate that they're learning in about three reps. But if you do it wrong three times in a row, they have learned wrong. So you have to be consistent. And... Guys get sloppy and lazy. Well, and we're working with our dog a little bit, and it's a little bit. It's not a whole lot. And then I'll, I'll have them around, like, family members or somebody else, so, and, and we'll say, sit. You know, and they'll say, sit, sit, or or when they can't speak properly, sit. You know, like, when, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> how, how bad is that for my dog? It's It can be pretty bad. Um, the, the One of the big things is, we, you know, we teach it if we, if I call a dog's name and I want them to come here, I don't just, uh, Hey Rex, you got to get their name, maybe get their attention. And then you give them a command to come to you. But what will happen is Joe Schmo that doesn't have a dog or doesn't care will call your dog's name and wonder why he didn't come over to you. Or you, no, you have to, you have to tell him to don't just try to get his attention. Well, when they keep doing that and if they get some sort of reward for it, um, and that's the thing. If you're if you have your family family members or some friend is coming over and he's telling your dog sit sit over and over and over, and then he does, and he waits till like the fourth rep, then he praises him. He just he just can't maybe set you back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I tell you know you just have to understand. Do you want a, a dog that's going to snap sit or eh, maybe you know maybe he gets around to it. But if he, if your people do the sit only. Only if you're doing that. Whatever it is, whatever voice inflection you use has to be the same yeah. all the time. All right. We're going to take one more little quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, some some more advanced training. It probably isn't the right term, but I don't know much about dog training. But we're going to talk about uh, search dogs and a little bit about training bite dogs. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. I've been a part, or I wouldn't say been a part, but I'm close to a search and rescue organization that had dogs and that were searching. And they wouldn't allow 
bite dogs doing their search. Because a lot of the training out there for these dogs that I've seen, and again, I'm not a pro with this at all, um, I've seen are the bite is the reward. That's what they want to do. The dog wants to do, and they'll treat that bite as if it's the reward for the dog is what they wanted to do. So they give them that bite, you know, for the reward for whatever action they did, whatever. Um, I don't even know what all that means. But they don't want that for the search dogs who may be able to uh, go find a child. Then they think, oh, I found them. Good job. Now I get to bite them. And that's not what we want to have happen. But it sounds like that bite as a reward may not even be the best way to be teaching your dog. So I'm going to let you take it. Yeah, if, if it's your personal dog, if you don't want the dog to bite people, don't play tug with them. Don't do a lot of things with their mouth like that. I mean, not playing fetch and getting a ball and, and having them drop the ball for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But tug and get the, the bite toys and things like that. Because there are a lot of dogs that they get self they self gratify out of the bite. Um, you'll see a dog on a bite that, and I work with it a lot. They get real chewy so to speak where they're just chew and chew and chew and chew on the thing they're getting off on it they're self-gratifying through their mouth and those dogs you know they have potential to bite for sure but if you don't want your dog to bite you can't you can't horse around don't put your arm in the dog's mouth yeah um even if it's a dog you're trying to train to bite don't put your arm in the dog's mouth it's not it's not fu- okay to bite you it is not funny no and people think it, it oh, oh, look what he did. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Dogs don't know what okay, okay, stop means. I'm kidding. They don't know, understand that. So, so don't do that stuff. Don't play if you don't want them to. Um, the search and rescue, yeah, they, they won't take any bite dogs or dog with a bite record at all. Um, and, you know, for example, in the city I work in, we're busy. We get a lot of bites. And we track people and get bites and for real. And... I always caution the guys when they when they want you to track that that missing kid or the elderly person that walked. That's okay if you're going to do it. You better be hyper vigilant to where you. What the worst thing would happen is the kid the kid got afraid and and hid in a bush, and you go around the corner and your dog is tracking and finds the kid before you do, and dives in the bush and the dog bites because of that human odor. There's they don't always. They, I mean, some dogs have amazed me how they didn't bite a kid but like we had one one dog named armin that he retired with about 150 street bites which is a lot he tracked several missing kids and didn't bite them that's yeah, that, the, the exception exactly. absolutely <laughs> so i was always and i tracked some missing kids some uh lovebird runaways and things like that but uh i saw them you know a little bit i was i just reeled up the dog and put him away i wasn't gonna bite you some think, missing kids. You think the dog sometimes, if the really good ones, can key off of you? Like you know, if I'm if I'm searching, You're not looking for an armed if I'm, if I'm right searching now. for an armed person, I mean, I'm sure that I'm giving off think you know odors that that dog can smell that it, that tell me that I'm you know stressed or yeah. hyped up or adrenaline or whatever. I mean, it's got to have an odor to it. I well, they know. always say that the the handlers mood or disposition or or whatever it goes right down the leash goes down the leash of the dog and the dog can tell the dog can definitely tell when a guy's stressed uh or when he's confused or screwing up or having a bad day and getting frustrated frustration is a big easy one for the dogs to tell um it goes right down the leash so i there's probably something to that there probably is truth that they can tell when you're amped up and they've seen other guys and 
their postures, whether they're out whistling or whether they're up and walking slow and shining, you know, whispering. We're not correct. You know, I do believe there is something to that. But definitely, if you're if you're a police guy and you have a a tracking dog that is trained to track and bite, gotta be real careful with tracking kids. You really careful. Just and and it happens a lot. But you got to learn proximity alerts, and when the dog shows you some sort of change of behavior, and you you kind of need to stop, and uh, and then maybe have someone investigate. But you really got to be paying attention. If you're tracking a missing kid with a bite dog, if you slip your attention for five seconds, you could it could cost you. What if, if I wanted to to teach my dog, and it may not be the perfect breed, he's a Labrador. Uh, it may not be the perfect breed for being a, a search dog, but I I thought about trying to teach him to go find Gunner, my youngest son, mm-hmm. to teach him, hey, find Gunner. Like it's like something we could just do in every place that we are. And we travel all the time, but in case something were to happen, I could always send him to go find Gunner, and and we could you know go find him. So there were to happen, anything. Um, well, how how would you recommend I start doing that or, or go about doing that? You know, pay somebody to do it because you think I could do that on my own, not having any experience with a dog. Is that too advanced? No, you know the the key to the dog doing any of that, anything nose related, is hunt drive. The dog has to have not just the desire for whatever his reward is, be it a ball or food or whatever the reward is, not just to get that, but to hunt for it at all costs. Hunt, 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 hunt. When I screen dogs, the first thing I do is I test them on environmental steps and all that stuff. The second thing I do is we play fetch for a little bit, and then I start throwing the dog the ball in the high weeds, or I throw it, turn the dog, break his focus, spin the dog around, send him out. And even if the dog's never been exposed to that game, he doesn't necessarily have to find the ball because maybe he doesn't know what he's smelling for. He just has to keep looking, and he can't stop, and he can't keep coming back to me to see if I have it in my hand. Uh, in theory, the theory is you should be able to throw the ball, go in your house, make coffee, come back, and the dog should either be sitting with the ball or still looking for it. Go on. And so if your dog doesn't have that, it doesn't matter what you do. He's not going to – he's going to sight hound everything. Uh, but you easily could do it. Actually, it would be a pretty fun game for you, your son, and the dog. Have him go out where the dog can see him and then disappear where the dog can't see him. And, and then send the dog out and let him hunt him out. And then when he gets to him, ah, make a big deal, give him a toy, give him a treat, give him something. Um, the dog will love doing that. Plus, it, it occupies their brain and gives them something fun to do. After like one or two times, they, they know when you go to a certain area, we're going to do. Yeah. And then you start for the, as the guy who is the handler, you start really paying attention to wind and what the wind is doing and watching your dog. And it's cool, man. It's your dog head snap. Because the wind shifted or the wind is coming this way and he was going, you know, the, from the right and he was going straight. And you see that change of behavior. Uh, it's pretty, you're like, oh, oh, he's got him. Even if you don't know, the best part is after you teach him the game a little bit, have your kid go out and you don't know right where he went. As long as you're in a good, secure area, you, and we'll, we'll see if we can find it because you can, you'll steer him otherwise. You'll, you'll influence right. it. So the best thing is the unknown hides and you'll start to learn your dog and that head snap and oh, oh he's got him because the, the odor comes out like a cone and the dog gets to the wide side of the cone and then works it down to the, to the point. 
and they'll go back and forth and back and forth and the wind does certain things and you'll know that if the wind is at your back and you send the dog out and you don't have to really teach the dog to do all that nope that's all natural <laughs> nope that's cool sentinel knows to find me just from what you just said you know mm-hmm. we'll just play games like you know start you know just hiding behind the next door you know and, and when they mm-hmm. when when she finds me I just, oh you know great dog you know and she loves playing that and you just go further and further. You get your, your son to go around the corner of a building and you send the dog out and he'll, he'll go and find him. And then maybe at two corners and then further out. And each time he sees him and then he vanishes. And what the dog will do oftentimes is they'll go around and they'll look. And when they can't see him, they have to use their nose. Yeah. They got to start air scenting or they'll start tracking on the ground, uh, depending on how natural that is to them. And then they'll go and find him. And then eventually you'll just go to an area, give him the command or find him or whatever it is without having seen your son walk out on his own. And then the dog will start from right away. And actually, I think that would probably be a lot of fun. That would be a lot of fun. I, I want to go do it right now. <laughs> cool. Last question I've got for you. We see a lot of service dogs everywhere nowadays, a lot of different things. And if, if I wanted a dog, my dog, I, mean, I got a lot of military and law enforcement folks that listen to the show. Uh, if they were thinking about a service dog, um, you know, what, what kind of dogs do you recommend for that? And do you train them? You know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, or maybe you know somebody who does. But how, how would somebody go about actually having a, a really, really legitimate therapy dog for whatever uh, it is that they have? Whether it's they have a physical disability or uh, suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know, deep depression, whatever it is. You know, what, what do you recommend for that? Because I see a lot of stuff out there that just doesn't seem like it's really, it's real. You know, it's just like, they, and maybe people have dogs that are decently obedient trained, but they're not really therapy dogs. Um, and I also have worked with a lot of organizations, and every time somebody asks me, hey, do you know any vets who need a service dog? I'm like, yeah, here's a few candidates. I talked to this guy at Wounded War Battalion or this and that. But we'll actually want somebody who's an amputee. Because uh, a lot of the people who pay the, the big bucks and they want that really, the, like originally I had one with a NASCAR driver. Um, and I was trying to, to help them place a service dog and they didn't care about anybody I gave them because they wanted somebody to stand on stage missing an arm or missing a leg and say, hey, look, we gave this person a service dog. They wanted they wanted physical injuries that people could observe. And I, that pisses me off beyond end uh, because a lot of those guys already have dogs. There's a lot of folks out there that need, need these. They save lives. I believe in them. Um, but how would you recommend somebody go about that, research it, where to start? Well, me personally, I don't do it. I always tell people they come to me and they say, hey, can you fix my dog? Can you get him to stop doing this or that? I tell people, listen, if you want your dog to be an, an a-hole and bite people, that's where you come. That's what I do. I train dogs, police dogs. Um, but a lot of the other things, I honestly, it's not my wheelhouse. I don't know what to do. The, the key is the, the folks that are really good at it, the ones that are good at the service dogs, like PTSD dogs and the dogs that are for help wheelchair bound folks or the blind and things, their screening process is, is quite elaborate and it takes a long time from being around the dogs. You'll see most of those dogs are floppy ear dogs, not, not a Malinois, not a shepherd. Yep. Um, not to say that you can't, there's, there's plenty of them. Uh, I've been to a hospital and they, they had a German shepherd dog um, that was awesome. But the key is those, those breeds f- scare people. That's why even the real good ones aren't used all that much because they do scare people. Um, we get, uh, I know a buddy of mine has a big wig at a security company and they, they'll get uh, bomb dogs for celebrities and things like that. And they'll say, yeah, no pointy ear dogs. Um, I think the State Department now is going all floppy ear dogs, no pointy ear dogs. 
pointy-eared dogs doesn't mean that they're going to be vicious. A pointy-eared dog scares people. So they look for a lot of those things. A lot of the lab-type breeds, the um, a dog like yours, those those type breeds. Uh, yeah, I've seen gold retrievers, a lot of, a lot of those dogs. Yeah, a lot of if you if you were in in the market for a therapy dog or for a service dog, a true service dog, I, I'll be honest with you, I would contact like a real reputable hospital in your area and find out who are they using, who are they bringing in therapy dogs into their facility, yeah. like Cleveland Clinic, especially like a pediatric hospital. You know, they they use them a lot. Yep, and even the therapy dog. A regular, you know, calming therapy dog is may not be the same as a PTSD dog. Yeah. Uh, there's things I'm amazed at, like the the dogs that are designed for uh, seizures, kids that are having seizures and how they can predict it right before it happens. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how how do they do that. Uh, it blows me away. The dogs can smell cancer inside of people and things like that. Diabetic, it's, diabetic yeah, kids, diabetic kids, yeah. diabetic attacks, and it's. It must be just something that the human gives off right before it happens. But uh, it's a long process. And the screening, the testing process for those dogs, when they actually to pass the test is rigorous. Uh, there's a lot of dogs that make it way through. I've heard of I've heard of service dogs that, that got all the way up to the test day and then on test day jumped up on a bed on top of a, a, a patient, you know, somebody who's playing a patient, and that was it. They failed them. Dogs have been there for 10 weeks maybe. They fail them because they can't. They can't do that. They can't jump on top of the kid at the pediatric hospital. Right. It just not to say they're not going to dump the dog. They may maybe some other thing for them, but um, definitely look, check with the hospital, see who they're using, um, and and kind of go from there. Eric, what what do we forget that you think is important for someone out there owning a dog or family dog protection, whatever else? If you get a if you get a dog, I always tell everybody. No matter what the breed, no matter what it's going to do, get some training for the dog. Get some obedience, uh, even even simple obedience, like just sit and stay and come. It does help with the dog's brain. It helps settle their brain. And if you have a working breed, especially a working breed, exercise your dogs. Exercise their minds and exercise them physically. Uh, I run dogs. I'll go out for a run, either on the treadmill or I run them with me, anywhere between two and maybe six miles. Um, and I make them run at a heel. I don't let them run and hunt and goof off because they get nothing out of that. When you exercise your dog, especially if you have a working breed that can be ornery, that you have a lot less problems with them. Exercise those dogs. And it's good for you. You get to exercise. I mean, I'm talking. You can take them hiking. You can ride a bicycle next to them. You can run with them. You can get them on a treadmill. Go to Solid Canine Training's YouTube channel. You'll get. He has never had a single dog he could not get on a treadmill in the entire time he's been doing it. Thousands of dogs, never one he couldn't get on a treadmill. And what it does, I have a dog at home who's she's crazy, and we get her on the treadmill, and she when we're done, man, she's nice and well, she's worn out, but yeah. it does help calm their brain. Don't be lazy. If you have working dogs, get crates, crate train your dogs. Um, I have a perfect story. There's a guy I know who got a Dutch Shepherd puppy. I told him, listen, don't let this dog run loose in your house. Don't, oh, I just had to run to the store. Don't do it. Crate train these dogs. It's not inhumane. The dogs love their crates. Uh, He fell asleep because he works midnight shift. He fell asleep during the day and he didn't crate the dog. And he sent me a picture 
of his couch dismantled to the frame and a ball in the frame. So the dog destroyed the couch and still never got the ball. So those types of breeds like I deal with, the Shepherds and the Dutch Shepherds and the Malinois, they are not the best of pets. You can't be a sedentary person and have those dogs. You'll, you'll regret it. They will destroy your house. They, what's, what's yours is mine, what's mine is mine type thing. Um, so put in the effort, put in the time. And if you're just swamp busy, don't get a dog. Don't do it. Because that's why there's rescues. That's why there's dog rescues of every breed possible. And that's why the shelters are overloaded with dogs. Is because people couldn't, didn't have the time. They thought they did. They thought it was a great idea. Yep. And don't buy a puppy for someone for Christmas. You know, uh, don't, don't, unless that's, unless that's your family dog and you're gonna, and you're all in. You have to be, you have to be all in with the dog. Um, I like the way you guys do it. You bring your dogs with you. They're your companions. Not everybody gets to do that. I get it. But try to do as much as you can with them. Um, and, and, and get get the dog that's right for you. Uh, where can the listeners find more and learn more from you? Uh, once again, just remind them in case they missed the last episode. Uh, Instagram, VanSK9, V-A-N-E-S-S-K, number nine. Um, or Police Canine Association on Instagram. We put a lot of content on Instagram. Uh, our PK9A site has like 55,000 followers. So we put a lot of stuff on there. A lot of great pictures of dogs, training uh, a lot of cool stuff. I also on my Van SK9 page, I talk about distance running. There's some I put some personal things on there every once in a while. But um, where can I get the nice hat that you wear? Uh, I can bring you one. We have a whole bunch of them. Where can they get one? Uh, PoliceK9Association.com or PK9A.com. I, I got a hat problem sometimes, and it's pretty. It's a pretty <laughs> nice, high quality looking hat. Yeah. I need one. And, and, and people can uh, people can look at your personal business there. Uh, for dog training or purchasing a dog? Correct. If you, you can get a hold of me, you know, message me uh, on there. I answer everything. I'm very responsive. I do have a Facebook page, Van S Canine Academy. I'm not on it all that much. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. It, Facebook's kind of is a juggernaut that's kind of gone weird. Instagram so far hasn't. And we have, uh, we there's a lot of things we can do on Instagram and and we do a lot of content on there. And uh, if people wanted to make a donation to your canine association to help uh, retired dogs, current dogs, working dogs, whatever, they could do that as well. And that's tax deductible. Yep. We are 501c3. Police Canine Association is a 501c3. I believe on the website are EIN numbers on there. Um, You can donate through PayPal. We we appreciate it. It's, you know, we help all, we buy, we buy leashes and collars and vests and harnesses and food and pay vet bills and do all kinds of things that otherwise a place would not have a canine program if they didn't do it. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And until next time, Gunfighter Cast out.